Hello and welcome to Sustain, a podcast where we talk about open source sustainability for the long haul. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? Why did I use a single apostrophe instead of a double apostrophe in my JSON schema? Oh God, oh God. Very excited to talk to you today. I am your host again, Richard Litauer, calling from beautiful Montpelier, Vermont. And I'm here today with Ben Hutton calling from across the pond in Somme, UK. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm all right. Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited. Thank you for coming on. See where this discussion goes. Yeah, this is great. So Ben, you are one of the privileged few. You're one of the people who gets paid to work on open source all the time. You work at Postman on the JSON schema as a specification lead. Can you tell me what that job entails? Yeah, sure. So JSON schema is a standard for validating JSON data. Initially, when I I started Postman, I was kind of crossing off a lot of the stuff that had got left over from working in it part-time outside of working hours. Moment, I'm mostly sort of doing admin work, leading, finding new ways to move forward, trying to gather visions and, and roadmaps and that kind of thing. So yeah, just trying to move everything forward slowly. So... Immediate question for a product that is a lot easier to understand the market value for. Let's talk about an app or something that has users. It's like, cool, we want to get more users. We want them to click on more ads or buy more subscriptions. Very easy to think about. Is this feature part of that or not part of that? For a schema, JSON, JavaScript object notation, I believe, is that right? <laughs> is just a way of making documents that's now very popular and everyone uses it. So. I don't understand, A, what's to improve, and B, what do you mean by moving forward for the schema? Yeah, so JSON schema has been around a long time. I think the initial one was back in like 2013 or 2014 or something around that time. It was initially a very simple idea of just the defining what the properties looked like and what sort of types they were. But that's evolved over time to a case of more use cases. And there was a period where it didn't change very much as a specification and laser tooling built up and fast forward a number of years and we have this whole ecosystem where JSON schema is being used way more than validation. It's being used to generate code, it's being used to generate forms, being used to even generate database structures now, which is way more than it was ever intended. It's a real challenge because in order to do things with something where it wasn't designed, you have to make assumptions and people make different assumptions and end up with making it not interoperable anymore. That's really the strength of JSON schema is its interoperability, meaning the same thing across many programming languages. Validate something in one programming language and it validates the same in another. And that's kind of been the biggest value proposition for JSON schema. Cool. So that's for JSON schema. Can you tell me why Postman funds you to work on this? Yeah. So JSON schema is used by the OpenAPI specification, which is a standard for defining the interface and data structure of APIs. And that's one of the things that Postman uses as part of their products. And JSON schema is becoming increasingly part of OpenAPI and other standards that sit underneath it, such as Async API. Yeah, I think Postman are seeing that JSON schema needs more work on it. And they're seeing a group that are trying to be forward with that, but really struggling to commit the time and lots of things being stacked up and just not being able to move forward at a rate that's really going to see value anytime soon. So while we were kind of 
moving along very slowly. There's definitely a lot more we could do going full-time on that. And not just with the, the specification itself, but raising the ecosystem and the community up as well. Talk about community. How many maintainers are working on JSON schema? How many people in the larger community? It's really hard to, to put numbers on that. In terms of the core maintainership, there's probably about five or six of us. We're not all full-time, so some of us are only there some of the time, so that makes it really challenging. But we're looking at ways we can improve on that number and, and move forward to have a more sustainable group of individuals running that team. In terms of the community, across our, our Slack server, we have five and a half thousand members. Across our whole community, including GitHub and Stack Overflow and Twitter, the estimates come in at 15,000 members. It's varying accuracy. Plus, including every single JavaScript developer ever who will yell at you if things go wrong, right? Yeah. So very, very large community indeed. It's really cool to see that many people jump in to try to fix this schema. They all know something that I clearly don't because I'm still a bit confused on why do open standards matter? Like, why is it really important that this is there? Why can't everyone just be like, yeah, that's it. It exists. We don't need to change it anymore. What are they all trying to get out of it? So, you can also tell me this is a dumb question. No, no, it's Feel a good free. question. I think there are multiple layers in which I can answer that. Like there, there are people that come into Slack server in our community to ask questions. And that's the vast majority of people that have questions. How do I use JSON schema to do this? So how do I use JSON schema to do that? And we have people in our team pretty much in every time zone. So people will always get you know, good answers quite quickly. The second sort of layer to that answer is because we don't hold any implementations of the specification in our organization, and we don't hold any code that people go and run from our specification, there's quite a large ecosystem. So there's at least one implementation in, in almost all languages. More often than not, there are several, and some there are like 10 implementations to choose from. So not only do we have people coming that are using JSON schema just somewhere, but we also have Many of the implementers come and ask questions like, oh, how do I implement this particular change that's come in this last version? Or what considerations do I need to have? Or how can I improve my library to better support my users? And we, we get a lot of that as well. We do actually get people coming in who are integrating into larger systems such as IBM and Oracle when they're integrating it into their products. They come and ask us questions as well. So we kind of support big industry in that sense as well. Like big corporations come in and ask questions from us. So one way to look at it would be if I was a company that was doing an implementation in Elm or Rust or something so that I could use JSON coming from a website for my services and I don't understand how it's exactly specified, I can come and ask you, hey, how do I implement this in this specification? Is this normal? And if there's something that I need, I can say, hey, can we have a proposal? Here's an RFP or something to change JSON so that it also works for my use case. Does that sound about right? Yeah, definitely. I think so. So if we think about it in terms of where companies get value, one of the interesting case studies I did recently was with a company called Six River Systems, which also known as um, Shopify Robotics now as they got acquired by Shopify. I think something else went on in terms of them getting sold on somewhere else. We did a case study with them and one of their biggest challenges was communication between people of different expertise. They had development teams and they had business analysts, which were doing these warehouse analyses and machine learning algorithms to calculate the best way to organize and, and automate robotics inside fulfillment warehouses. And these teams really struggled to communicate the 
structure of the data they had and how they were going to work together. And by using JSON schema, they now had a common language to define their data structures. So there wasn't any ambiguity. There's always challenges when you're trying to define data using rows or sort of like standard English. If you add contractors from around different worlds, particularly with remote working now, that's increasingly difficult when English isn't a first language. So having a, a common language to define your data structures, what's allowed and what's not, removing that ambiguity really solves a lot of problems and prevents people putting bugs into to production systems. And websites, maybe not a huge deal. Robots, potentially much bigger. Cool. Thanks for sharing that use case. Makes more sense to me now. That's super awesome. So it's clear to me that you have like a framework for working on this and that you have a core team. That's awesome that you have like so many members in the community as well who are interested in helping out and assumedly not just asking questions, but also diving in and getting their hands dirty with curly brackets and double quotes. This is all part of a larger part of the internet, which is just standards in general, which is often something that we don't think about when we're just using a website. Why would we? It's down the stack. I don't think about my computer running chips every single time I open it. I think, where is my latest Instagram feed? So can you tell me a bit about why open standards are important? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. As you say, like standards out there and being used, and we often don't see behind the curtain as to how they're created and how they develop over time. Something that's more closer to high end that I use as an analogy for me is JavaScript and, and programming languages. JavaScript specifically, because I peeked behind the curtain a little bit and looked at how that's developed and the processes behind you know, getting something added to that standard and seeing that process. And actually, it's really difficult to make that way forward. And the processes that are involved in these standards matter because it's not just about creating value, but also creating value that people are going to use and be able to use. You know, it's no good adding something to a standard if a particular company, say like Microsoft or Google, are not going to add it to their browser. And it's taking a lot of effort to get to that point, particularly when we have server-side JavaScript in the form of Node now. And there's a lot of disparity between Node and JavaScript. Actually, but the standards that allow you to use something in one place and something else in another and have them work in the same way are increasingly important. And standards are really important for interoperability. I don't know if it's the same in the US, but in the UK, for example, there's a standard that's come into play recently called open banking, and it's enabled intercommunication between banks where people authorize their bank to share their account information with other banks. So where people would previously have to you know, open multiple banking apps or go through very tricky processes to move money around. There's now a authenticated protocol and standard communication processes to do those kind of things that would otherwise have been really hard. And it's created a wave of new digital first banks. That's really interesting where we see this innovation that's come around and been supported by a standard. So interoperability, making sure that there's less fun in the ecosystem, making sure that people can work together. Super, super cool. Part of the process of having a standard in the first place and having an open standard is having a home for it. And there's a lot of standards bodies that exist. There's IEEE, there's ISO, there's Linux Foundation standards. Where is Jason Schema House and why? Yeah, that's a really good topic of, of discussion right now in the Jason Schema organization. Originally, it was created as a personal draft in the IETF, 
a personal draft is something that any individual can publish. They can publish revisions as well. But the aim to potentially get it into a working group and become a, a fully fledged, recognized standard. JSON schema continued to be a personal draft for a long time. And the, the latest version that we're now is still a personal draft. But we haven't expected to move it forward in the IETF process. We had some discussions with various people in IETF and they weren't very receptive. And they even pointed us to our own specification and said, oh, you should join these people over here. They seem to be developing it. So we had some communication issues and I'm just thinking that what we wanted to do and how we were working didn't really align with how the IETF operates. You know, having said that, we've decided to move away from the IETF process moving forward and publish the standards by ourselves. But we're still taking some of the ethos and ethics from the ICF that they define in their best common practices guide in terms of how we expect to work. We value running code. We value working to consensus. There's definitely value in the, the ethos and, and the way that they work, but it doesn't really align with how we want to operate and how we are operating. It's possible for standards to fork. Yeah, we've definitely seen that in the past. We've seen Node.js fork in Node.io. And then there was some stuff that happened and I didn't really keep track of things back then, but that fork doesn't exist anymore, right? And it was kind of blip in, in history. And those that know the details of that, I'm sure it'll be fresh in their mind, but it's definitely possible for standards to fork. I mean, we can also look at something like Markdown as a standard, which has been forked multiple times. And does it really have a, you know, it's not published by a standards body as far as I'm aware. So there are lots of different flavors, but the general idea sort of keeps the same. Markdown is a good example because that is used everywhere, even though it doesn't have a standard. Node, I think maybe is a bit different because there's something that you run. You run Node.js and it works and you run IOJS and it works till they merged back in together. But when I think of JSON, it's ubiquity just seems like it would be very difficult to have another standard of JSON because all of a sudden all the APIs and all like every single program would have to use shims and make everything work and be very, very, very hard. What I wonder about that is whether that makes it more difficult to deal with conflict in the community. You just said that you're moving from IETF and you're going to publish your own standard. And I'm curious if that was a really difficult decision and how you manage that as a community lead, as someone who's thinking a lot about not just the technical aspect, but the other sides of coding. So what is the difference to... between JSON schema and JSON? Okay, so, so JSON is... Uh, Thing that you make API calls with and the data that you receive, that's JSON. So you're familiar with Got that. You've yes. made API calls. JSON schema is saying you should expect an object and that object will have these properties in and it must have this property and this property must be a string, for example. Like JSON schema is a set of constraints, rules that define the structure of the JSON that you're expecting to be somewhere. What I was worried about was having multiple implementations of JSON schema such that one person says, no, no, this is valid. And the other person says, no, that's not valid, which I think would cause a lot of difficulties in the ecosystem. And it's one of the reasons why you can't mess up with standards, right? Yes. Yeah. So does that add pressure? The fact that like, no, it has to work all the time. The schema (laughs) has to be a single thing. Don't go make another schema where all of a sudden it's okay to have apostrophes that are single instead of double. How does that work? Yeah, so JSON schema is, is written in JSON or anything that compiles to JSON. So people do use YAML, for example, to make JSON schema. And there are extensions to IDs that enable you to, to do that sort of thing. In terms of the JSON schema standard, 
occasionally we had people come in and want to radically change things. And they've been too radical at times. And we've had to say, sorry, that's not going to work for us. Why don't you go and do your own standards? So if you can get any traction from that. And they've done that. And they've gone through the IETF process and they find the other end with the standard, but they don't have many implementations or they don't have a community. And it's kind of a very different position than Jason's schema where other standards are kind of published and done. There's not a continual effort to improve and refine them. You know, with Jason's schema, we're aware that we've added new things fairly recently. I say recently as back in like 2019-09, that's still fairly recent for us in quotes. But yeah, it's, it's a huge amount of pressure to get it right. And one of the big challenges is getting that feedback from the community. It's a challenge to make sure implementations are consistent because many implementations are, are actually not consistent. What we tend to find is they implement the basics fairly consistently. Otherwise, we would have massive interoperability issues. But the more challenging areas of implementation, such as referencing and understanding how to do relative URI resolution, it can be quite confusing. Probably the, the most important thing that JSON Schema has to combat that is an official test suite. So we have a test suite which can be run in, in any language because it's written in JSON. And that allows people to check the compliance of their implementation. And it's been good and it's been really useful. But the challenge we've had with that again is people take a snapshot of that test suite and never go back and update it or don't check for any refinements. So we have a, a new tool which has come about fairly recently called Bowtie, which is a meta tester where people can submit their implementations and have them run against the test suite that everybody else is running. And you can see the results comparatively across many implementations at once. I like that you mentioned the slow work doing this work. Bowtie sounds great. It's awesome. But you said, hey, our last change was really kind of 2019. That was four years ago, which is a while. And you work on this full time. I've only been working on this full time for the last two years. That's worth noting. So this is, this is still relatively new for me full time. Well, how do you get funding for this sort of work? Because it's so low level. Like, where does funding come from in the long term for this stuff? Postman obviously is a very special use case. Postman is, actually, you could probably describe what they do better than I do. But as far as I remember, they help you validate JSON. They help you look at packets coming in. And it's like a developer tool that's very, very useful for analyzing these sorts of things. Yeah, I think Postman started off as just basic API client, and they've really evolved that concept and to cater for more of the enterprise market. They now provide a full API platform and they can manage the whole API lifecycle. But it's really only the enterprises that are even thinking about and considering those sorts of challenges where they have APIs in lifecycles and multiple instances of those happening. So not only can it build tests and mocks, but it also allows, probably more importantly, it allows other people to come in and test your APIs really, really quickly. So particularly when we saw you know, Stripe, for example, develop as a platform, you could go and test that really, really quickly and see it working in Stripe's documentation. And I think a lot of companies saw that and wanted to have the same thing, but it's really hard to develop. So one of the, the offerings Postman has is, is you publish your collections, your sets of APIs to run, and being able to make those first API calls really quickly encourages people to stick around and, and dig into your platform or your particular API offering. So that makes sense for Postman to fund JSON schema. I'm curious who else is working on it who isn't funded by Postman and where are they getting money from? 
there are not that many people working on the guts of JSON schema in terms of the specification. In terms of the tooling, there are companies which are concerned with low-code tools such as building forms that, that use JSON schema as an easy way to do that. And so one of Jason Schema's sponsors on Open Collective is a company called Retool, and they use it to generate forms because they can pull the Jason Schema from existing API definitions and build forms against them, for example, enables their customers to build forms quicker than they would otherwise. One of our sponsors is Airbnb, but we haven't had discussions with them. And I think one of the challenges is we have a, a small number of sponsors, but we haven't had the discussions with them in terms of where they're using it and what their value is for them. But Microsoft is another big user and we're slowly having conversations with them. And we have a case study pending, which will probably be out by the time this airs on how GitHub is, is using JSON schema internally. And it's been there so long that they can't even remember the decision process of adding it in. That's one of the really interesting challenges for JSON schema is we, we have people that are looking at it and going, oh, it's an IETF personal draft, which means it's not ready to be used in production right now. Okay. So we shouldn't be looking at it. And we have other people that have been using it for so long, they have no idea how it got there and they don't really know how to maintain it or understand it because people have moved on. So we have a really broad spectrum of users, which I think is really interesting for a project or a standard that's continuing to, to, to be used and evolve. I like the use of the word evolve. It makes me wonder about what are the stages for standards evolution. So you have the first idea that comes from someone on a Tuesday while doing their dishes who's working in a similar field. It's like, okay, I can do this. Then they get a lot of people in a room. Sometimes it's a corporate room. Sometimes it's a corporate room with multiple corporations. Hey, let's bang out a standard. Then eventually you have a group that says maybe a website and you have a standard going. Then the community gets involved. And it seems like you end in this situation which you're kind of in which is we're working on it, it's slow work, and we're funded by people who particularly need this schema, but we also kind of work as consultants. We're kind of here because we're specialized and it helps the company to have the most specialized people working on the product so that they know what's going on. What comes after that? Are you trying to work yourself out of a job by saying, no, it's good, we did it, great, let's done. Now we have, now we're working on other stuff. <laughs> That's really interesting. Think about from that perspective. I think Jason Schema has a lot more to validate, um, if that's not a little bit too meta. We've added some stuff back in 2019-09, and we're still not really sure how that's going to play out and the value people are going to receive from it. We wanted to communicate how to implement some of those new features a lot clearer. And we've seen uptake by a few companies, mainly to do with like extensibility. Back when we weren't working on this full time, and probably even now, we really lacked the time to respond to everybody's requests for adding new features or new keywords to do different things that, to the standard. So we created this extensibility mechanism that would allow people to add their own functionality, but in a standards compliant way. So implementations could support the same definitions of those bits of logic across multiple languages. And we've seen the Open API initiative and the Open API standard pick that up and use that. And we've also seen Oracle attempt to pick that up and use that and put that in their SQL standard product. So while it's still quite young and we're still only really seeing people pick that up and play with it, we want to build better connections with industry and potential sponsors, even the implementation developers and maintainers to sort of draw them in and actually get the direct feedback with the more complex elements of the standard. 
we don't get lots of feedback other than from new implementers that are really trying to dig in. What do you think the 10 year view is for JSON schema? Like where will it be in 2033? Wow. The sort of vision for that far out has been seen in a really small way with one of the case studies we did. So I mentioned earlier how there was a period where the JSON schema ecosystem really bloomed and took on all these new use cases it wasn't designed for. And my personal vision, I know other people have some slightly different visions for JSON schema and working all that out. But my personal vision is I'll be able to see JSON schema used throughout the whole stack of development, right the way from inception to defining your data structures and your models, defining what those different domains look like, to defining database structures, to defining the forms and the validation, used across that whole stack where you have data in any way, shape or form, and it being the single source of truth throughout all of them. So we did a case study with a company called Open Metadata, where they actually used JSON schema across their entire stack. And the person I interview with, you can check out the video recording of the case study, previously worked for Uber and built up all of their infrastructure and data processing operations using JSON schema and, and trying to work it in this way, but really struggled. And the ecosystem just wasn't quite mature enough at that time. And as it's evolved and developed, it has reached a point where they can use it across the entire stack. But I think they got lucky. I think they were fortunate enough to either find tools that made the assumptions they wanted or to be able to you know, add tools or bits of the stack that didn't exist, that had the assumptions they wanted, or they could define the assumptions they wanted to happen in place of not having the sufficient language to define what they want. So I think they've got really lucky, but I would like anybody to be able to do that. And in order to do that, we have to define how to remove the ambiguity with code generation or form generation or various UI generation, documentation generation. So there's lots of extensions we need to define in JSON schema to be able to cater for those use cases. And the only way that's really going to work is if we can get buy-in from different industries and different enterprises and companies and organizations that rely on those specific areas of technology. And like I mentioned earlier, the, the standards process isn't necessarily just about coming to consensus and defining something that people agree on, but it's also about gaining buy-in to implementing and, and using that standard. Anybody can define a standard, but if nobody uses it, it's um, not really working. It's not achieving what it's set out to define. It's not providing any value in terms of interoperability. So when we talk about extensions, you're talking about developers saying, oh, we need this use case. It's going to be really cool. We can work with JSON schema to make that happen. Okay, I'll go talk to you and make this extension valid or workable. And they may be paid for their time, which is great. But if they're paid for their time and then this extension is made, none of that money normally goes back to JSON schema. And I'm curious, what are the financial needs for JSON schema that are outside of people like being paid and doing their normal jobs for this work? Do you feel that people who make money off of knowing the schema and working together with JSON schema should be donating back in some sort of like guild tax or something or a membership fee? for being part of the community in the first place and so utilizing its efforts to do good work? I think where JSON Schema is now, we're quite happy in terms of the sponsorship we've got through Postman being able to have several people working full time. And I think if Postman were to decide they didn't want or need to support that effort anymore, we would probably be able to find other venues that 
were looking to support those kinds of activities or would go back to full-time work and, and do it on the side. But we definitely want to make data scheme more maintainable. One of the objectives we had from a recent summit on leadership summit and JSON schema, we ended up drawing a roadmap and we want to assess our financial stability. I mean, what does it really cost to run JSON schema? What are our outgoings? In terms of infrastructure, it's relatively little. We, we host our, our site on, on GitHub and we proxy it through Chadflare, but the real cost on that is practically nothing. Other than people's time, there's not really any cost. I think that's one of the interesting things about being a standard as opposed to an open source product or an open source tool that self-hosts. There are definitely potential revenue streams for commercializing side products. I know some people in the community are doing that and there's some really interesting things developing. But yeah, I don't really know. I think that's something that I'd be interested in exploring and seeing if people want to contribute. I think there's definitely a sense of JSON schema could be supporting and encouraging development of implementations and helping them become more compliant because as the, the ecosystem grows and develops and stabilizes and increases the level of interoperability it has, the people that use JSON schema and rely on JSON schema are going to have their value increased. And they're not necessarily going to know where that money needs spending or even how to allocate and assess the quality of the implementations. So that's one of the big chunks of work we're starting to do over the next year is how do we assess implementation quality? How do we make sure they're running the test suite? Then if we have more funds, how can we share those funds out between implementations that are trying to move towards compliance? And how do we support and sustain those implementations? They get to fix bugs or have increased users that have problems or issues that they're raising. So there's definitely a sense of we want to support the ecosystem because the standard strength is the ecosystem. We had two implementations in two languages. JSON schema will be pretty useless. One of the things we often get asked is, you know, why use JSON schema when I can just use this validation tool in a specific language? And we're like, yeah, that's lovely. Please go and use that. But if you want interoperability, if you want the flexibility to define something in a way which is going to be used the same across multiple languages and understood by people of different working backgrounds, then JSON schema really is going to provide you a lot of value. Sounds like you have a really clear understanding for the value of JSON schema, which understandably makes sense. Harari's book, Sapiens, had this funny flip where it says that actually, if you look at the history of humanity, we are just vectors for wheat. Wheat is now everywhere. And all we've done is made wheat go everywhere. And if you think about it, all we're doing is helping wheat out, which is really, really cool. And I like thinking about that metaphor when I think about software projects and languages and schemas. So if we think about JSON schema, we're helping it go forward. We're helping it propagate into the world. What are the major threats to a schema besides forking? Besides someone saying, I'm just going to use this other validator, or is that how schemas die? Is there something else? Like, is there a new JSON schema 2.0 that's coming up that's going to take over JSON schema and make everything, you know, have to be redone? There have definitely been other similar products that have, have come and gone. And there still are other products that are, are trying to do something very similar to JSON schema, but are, are subtly different or focus on a particular use case or have a particular commercial product attached. JSON schema doesn't have those things. I think the, the biggest threat would be if something were to replace JSON, but then I think we're going to have a lot bigger concerns than JSON schema if, if that's what happens. 
I mean, we could all go back to XML, I don't know. But I think as a community of developers at large, we've tried to move past that. And JSON is the most popular because it's the easiest. You know, people complain about JSON in general for oh, having too many quote marks or being too verbose. Too verbose is an often common challenge or a question like, why is it so verbose? Why can't we have comments? Why can't we have this? And sometimes the simplicity is what makes it so powerful. And it's similar with JSON schema. JSON schema, you can just use the simplest parts and use the smallest bit that you need. And I think that's what makes it powerful is it can be really easy to learn. There are some more advanced things in the data sphere, like RDF or linked data. And they're really interesting and they're really powerful for science that need to do more complex things like do ontology comparisons and do some really clever data analysis of ontological data, but they're really hard to learn. So people really can't get much traction with them in honesty. Like people that people see the value that they might provide, but really struggle to, to get on board with them. And there are similar standards in that space that are trying to use linked data. But again, it comes back to the JSON is the simplest that we have at the moment. So if we, we end up with anything simpler, that's not YAML that gets people confused because it's so complicated, then yeah, maybe we'll see something different. But right now, as long as JSON is, is the top of that, I think JSON schema will continue to be the most used data definition standard for a while. Bill, a strong urge to yell CSV forever and run out of the room, but I won't. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this. We are running up on time. So I want to ask, where can people learn more about JSON schema? JSON schema is online at json-schema.org. If you want to join our Slack server, it's just forward slash Slack on the end of that. That's the best place to, to learn all about our community and what we're doing and how we're moving forwards. We have public roadmap on our GitHub at json-schema-org as our GitHub organization. So you can find more about us there as well. Where can people donate Open Collective? On Open Collective, you can find us at json-schema. I see that you're hosted both by OSC as well as OpenJS Foundation. Can you tell me which one is doing fiscal hosting and how that works? Yeah, certainly. Jason Schema started the Open Collective a while back and we joined the OpenJS Foundation later. The OpenJS Foundation takes on the Jason Schema project and takes all responsibility for the, the business elements, including finances. One of the clauses in joining is that the Open Collective remains outside of the organization officially is only for the benefits of the maintainers directly. And we have a disclaimer at the bottom of our open collective. That makes sense. Where can people learn more about you online? Twitter at Reliquestral. That's probably quite hard to work out the pronunciation of, so feel free to look in the, the show notes for that. Also, benbutton.me, which you will find my own link tree. Feel free to reach out if you have any Jason Schema questions. Sweet. Don't leave yet. This is now the time of the show where we have Spotlight, where we highlight other projects, people, or things that have helped us out in our career. Or if you're the host and you've done hundreds of these, just a book that you've been reading recently, which is what I'm going to do today. So my Spotlight today is Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, the Tolkien edition. Tolkien was a really bad poet who really liked iambic pentameter and assonance, and he's just generally horrible. But I rather like this translation a lot. It's really fun. So if you want a good read, go read Sir Gawain in The Green Knight. And if you want to understand the story a bit more from a different context, if you're not much of a poetry reader, 
the movie, The Green Knight, was exceptional. And I highly suggest checking out a very, very weird film that I really liked. So those are my spotlights today. Ben, what's your spotlight today? My spotlight today is a small application called Meeting Bar, which sits in the macOS toolbar. And it shows that the current items are from your calendar to give you quick access to join meetings. I found it particularly annoying as I have to go and open my calendar, find the meeting link and, and click on that to join meetings. I might forget a meeting. So having something always in my toolbar, which shows me what my next event is and my next meeting is really, really useful. And particularly for staying focused on the current task as well. Can't tell if that's brilliant or horrible. It's one of the two. Cool. All right. I love that. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, hope you've enjoyed this program. If you have, there's a lot of things you can do. One, you can come join the conversation on Discord at sustainoss.org. You can join us on social media at sustainoss, pretty much in most of the social medias. You can also donate on our open collective at sustainoss or go to our website at sustainoss.org or go to the podcast website, the podcast at sustainoss.org to read the show notes. You could also send an email to us, podcast at sustainoss.org. There's kind of a theme with the URL. You may have noticed where we'll be happy to read any complaints or praises. Feel free to send them along too, or suggestions for future topics or questions you wish we had asked. Very happy to field those. Also like this podcast wherever you download it. And if you're accessing this using a phone or using the web, wherever you're finding this, know that some work somewhere down the stack has involved Jason Schema. So go to Jason Schema's Open Collective and donate to them and be grateful and be awesome. Ben, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciated it. Longtime fan of your work. And I hope that you continue to do it awesomely. And thanks again. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me today, Richard.